You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take a man podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. He played 10 years in the NFL. I covered it for five and now host a daily radio show, the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Logan, another offseason mailbag, uh, be- in part because uh, we had a whole bag of questions that we didn't even see last time we did a mailbag. <laughs> I put together a post on YouTube uh, and, then, and then saw all your replies afterwards. So this is a YouTube only in terms of where the questions came from mailbag. And we got some good ones, Logan. I'm excited to dive into these. Yeah, uh, we kind of were previewing them. They, they all sounded like they're really going to be a lot of fun to talk about. So looking forward to it. This is like a classic sports radio podcast type of discussion here. But it's also kind of what the commanders have to do right. when they put together their board. This one from Nathaniel. Uh, we always love a good Nathaniel. He's not. He's not Nate. He's full on Nathaniel. Uh, <laughs> if you had to rank re-signing or extending our current players, what would be the top five? His is Payne, Curl, Holcomb, Gibson? Question mark. Uh, that question mark could be filled with a couple of guys we can get to in a second. But if you had to rank uh, re-signing or extending that group of either pending free agent or, in Curl's case, extension eligible Gibson as well, extension eligible players, how would you how would you go about ranking them, and what would ultimately be your rankings? Yeah, I mean, I think for me it goes Payne, Cam, Curl, just kind of they're the definitive number one and number two. And obviously, we've talked about Payne a lot on this podcast, but I do think when you're talking about Curl specifically, and you are a huge fan of Curl as I am, um, he is a guy that is extremely talented, uh, and it's and his talent shows up in a very unique way. Obviously, it's kind of like this manager playmaker kind of slash he's not like this crazy freak like ed reed was but he does seem to elevate you know Derek forrest does seem to elevate bobby mccain when he's out there and i'm not exactly sure as to why that is you know fred smoot says he's a great communicator and i'm going to defer to smoot on smoot on that because i think they've had conversations but to me like the proof is in the pudding the defense does not play as well when he's not in there and so um obviously cole would be the third guy and i think cole is interesting because I think you could get him probably pretty cheap. 
You know, yeah. and I think I that's think something... the injury helps. Yes, uh, last not year him. That. Doesn't help. Yeah, him, yeah, it helps. It it hurts him. It helps the team get him back for cheaper. Right, and so I think that that's one that you kind of say, well, maybe we'll be able to get him on vet minimum, vet minimum, or slightly plus vet minimum, and that again, you need linebackers. I do get a vibe again, like this is all good. I haven't talked to anybody in the building about this that they're probably going to look at one of the linebackers in the draft this year, and they have some guys who. I think would be nice fill-ins and you could probably get them in the fourth, fifth round. So, you know, I haven't finalized my evaluation on the linebacker, but just kind of early stuff, like they might be looking to get younger, might be letting, looking to let Jamin step in a larger role. I don't know. That's just something interesting to kind of keep an eye on. And then Gibson is interesting too. Um, You know, I think they like Gibson. I know they like Gibson. It's just about, you know, what that number looks like and, you know, based on his production and his health and, um, obviously I think they're the word on the street is that they're going to look for a third back in the draft. What type of runner is he? What type of pass catcher is he? Does that affect Gibson's ability to, you know, to play? And, and do you feel like you need to extend him this year if he's going to get even less touches going into 2023? So I have a fifth name that I will throw in this that actually is going to go third on my list in just a second. But first uh, on Holcomb, what position is Jamin playing next year? Because if they want to slot Jamin in at Mike, you can move on from Cole. I, or you could play Cole at the will. I don't know yeah. how that dynamic would go. Like Cole's more of a natural Mike, uh, you know, the guy who they trusted with that communication and everything for a reason last year. Um, but Jamin filled in in that role. And I know he didn't initially have the green dot, but I'm pretty sure he did by the end of the yeah. season. Um, they transferred that over and he was playing the role in full. So, you know, if Jamin's your Mike, can you find another will in the draft that's better? And like Cole becomes a depth player almost next year too. Like I'm not saying they shouldn't resign him and he's not a really valuable guy to have. Um, but he isn't like, to me, he's, he's a guy that if you lose him, like he's somewhat easily replaceable, which says more about the linebacker position than Cole. I'm not trying to say that Cole's not a good football yeah, player, I but agree. the, the nature of linebacker has been de-emphasized in the league to an extent that I just don't know, like, is it even worth a vet minimum when you could pay a rookie salary at that position if Jamin's your bona fide starter? Like, that's kind of what I'm saying. No, no, I totally get that. And I think when you look at Jamin, especially near the second half of the year, he just, because he's a a longer, I think he, he plays stronger than Cole inside. He's just a little bit more dynamic on the inside. And I think when you look at the college football landscape at the moment, kind of with the spread offenses and these star diamond overhang to the field, linebackers that are becoming so popular like it's a little bit easier to find a will because like quite frankly that's what Jamin played that's what Cole played and so when you look at Cole he's probably more um, more comfortable playing will and I think Cole is a very good football player but I do think there is kind of a surplus of those like big safety small linebacker overhang will players that are going to run really fast like one of them that really sticks out to me is like uh I, th- I think his name is Dylan Henley from uh, Washington State. He's, he was a quarterback that converted to uh, safety, that converted to linebacker. And his tape at Washington State this year was absolutely so fun to watch because he's fast, he's physical. To me, he's like that perfect – like he's a perfect linebacker. Now, you know, I'm, he's, he's, he's an example of a guy that kind of fits this more modern mold. But, you know, is he a guy that you value enough to pick in the third round, you know, with that comp pick that you get from Brandon Sheriff? So I do think that that is a compelling decision. And obviously, you know, money talks and that decision, I think, is going to be super predicated on, you know, how, you know, the the number of Cole is looking to get. And I think, right. like you said, the um, 
I think his value here is probably a little bit higher than like around the league, for example. But, um, you, you know, if the price is right, bring him back. And yeah. if you don't feel like the price fits your long team building strategy and something that really affects that is Payne's contract, you know, and what they're able to do with Payne. So, um, in terms of replacing Cole, finding an auxiliary piece, I think the draft this year probably affords you that opportunity. Um, but, you know, I think Cole is a good football player. And if you can get him back, get him back. Yeah, definitely. He's a guy to that. Pro- like he's an NFL starter. Yeah. Um, and so for that reason, it might not be in his best interest to come back if they're going to be like, hey, we're going to start Jamin and, and probably draft a rookie that we want to start. Right. However, um, if you can have Cole as your starter uh, and then the rookie's got to beat him out, that's a that's a good situation and worth paying probably a little bit more than the vet minimum for. Not to mention, like, Cole Holcomb would be a ridiculously good special teams player. Uh, oh, yeah. At least absolutely. in theory. Like, he hasn't played a lot of teams because he's been starting most of his career. But, like, he's really fast and obviously a good tackler, a starting NFL linebacker caliber tackler. He's physical, so, yeah. Um, so th- that physicality would, would be a good special teams boost if he winds up being your backup. Like, you can't – you need depth. And and if Cole Holcomb's your depth, pl- depth player, you're doing really well at linebacker because he is not a high-end starter but a bona fide starter uh, in the league at, at either Mike or Will. Uh, special teams, though, is where my other guy is. You know who else is a free agent? Jeremy oh, Reeves. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Reeves to me is is that you know you rank your top five. Payne's one. They got to figure out him in part because he's the biggest line item. Even if you think yeah. Pearl is more valuable because Mary Mathis and and you know those guys are in place at depth and you know you think that Payne is ultimately a guy that that's worth trading. Like he's the biggest budget line item. Yeah. So you have to you have to do him first. Curl, MVP of the defense, arguably like incredible player. Um, very clear that he is worth it. Uh, he's he's the guy that's next. But Jeremy Reeves is your special teams captain. He was just named all pro, nevertheless pro bowler. Um, he is an uh, incredible depth player that like can play some safety. I was going to say, um, yeah, so Shodi can play safety. That's a big deal, obviously. He, he provides you depth there uh, at a position that you needed it last year. So I, I think that, you know, Reeves isn't Reeves isn't a young player uh, in that he's like, oh, he's, he's a 22-year-old, uh, you know, up-and-coming special teams ace now who's got great safety potential in the future. Like, he's never going to be a starting caliber NFL safety. He's five, six years into his career. Yeah. Um, but he is the core of your special teams and a beloved guy in the locker room who's probably not going to cost that much money. Uh, because right. at the end of the day, while he's an all-pro, he's an all-pro special teamer. Like Matthew Slater was able to stay in New England all those years because they were like, yeah, this dude's important. We'll pay him what he's worth, but it's not like he's going to go out and break the market. Correct. So I think re-signing Reeves, I would put it three. Gibson, I don't really care about extending. If it works right. out, great. Um, but to, because he's a running back, like, is... and especially a running back who's been hurt, like, I don't, I don't know that there's a huge priority there. Yeah, the name I wanted to bring up was like Bobby McCain would be someone that would mm-hmm. be kind of interesting. And I, the only reason I say that is people say, oh, he's not a true safety. But when he played nickel, he did a really good job. And so I know that you're looking for like this Buffalo nickel hybrid role. And there are a couple guys in the draft that I think, you know, kind of fit that role. You know, like there's a kid uh, from Illinois that did an excellent job at the senior bowl that really stuck out. Um, like there's a lot of guys like that because of the college game, right? They kind of bounce in between these different, you know, systems and guys have to do a lot of stuff. Sidney Brown's his name. It took me a minute to figure it out. But, you know, do you feel like you need to extend him? That's something that I would keep an eye on. But I do agree. Reeves is like 
he's your guy. You know, if you can find a way to get him done, I do think it's important to kind of acknowledge the that if they do sign Payne to a long term deal, it's going to really affect their ability to keep Jeremy. Like that's that's what that big deal does is it makes it really hard to extend Cam, makes it hard to keep kind of that working class, middle class of your roster when you have these huge financial financial commitments to to guys. This is also why who you sign and how much they cost at backup quarterback is a huge yeah. deal. If you pay Jacoby Brissett 10, uh, and I'm just throwing out this number, right? But you can get Andy Dalton for three. That's the difference in re-signing Reeves or not. Like Correct. that $7 million might be Reeves' number. Um, it might actually be higher than his number. So that's another thing to consider um, as, as you move forward is like, okay, how much you, you we know that Sam Howell is QB1 and that rookie contract is going to buy us a bunch of dudes and a bunch of space, but who backs him up and how much that guy costs obviously matters a lot too. Um, the other top free agents, I'll just actually, here's the rest of the free agents. Uh, Schweitzer, Trey Turner, uh, and if you know, just say, hey, I want to talk about that guy. If I get yeah. to anybody that uh, you want to talk about, Schweitzer seems like the guy who might be worth, you know. Well, yeah, especially with like the the flexibility inside that he right. gives you. Good player, played center, right? They don't have a center on the roster. Maybe that's the the way you look at it. Maybe that's the guy you go with. You want to know what's crazy? Trey Turner and Wes Schweitzer are the same age. Are they really? Yeah, Schweitzer, twenty nine point four years old. Uh, Trey Turner, twenty nine point seven years old. I'm looking at the spot wow. track numbers. God, they, That's crazy. they feel so different in terms of age. Don't they? I would have sworn Turner was like 34. Yeah, me too. But um, Cam Sims is another interesting one, kind yeah. of the Jeremy Reeves camp. Depth, yeah. excellent special teams player, uh, can play his, his offense position where Reeves can play his defense position. Uh, but Cam Cam's a free agent. Heineke, obviously someone that, that probably should be honorable mention on the list as part of that quarterback equation. F.A. Obata. Um, that's a big deal that's a that is a huge deal and i think again like fa just did such a good job last year of bouncing inside and outside and um you know like there are some reports that they're looking to maybe draft a defensive lineman maybe they're going to wait on that to see if they can again if you draft a guy you're keeping salary numbers down right so there is that incentive to get that done through the draft this is a very hedge uh, edge heavy draft so there's probably going to be an opportunity for that but I think that's an absolute must. You need to find a guy who's got some pass rush juice. That's nothing against Carrie that uh, Casey. That's nothing against James. But FA did bring a lot in terms of being dynamic, and so either you need to replace him in the draft or you need to re-sign him. And I do think, based on how he played last year, it's going to be a little bit too rich for them. Yeah, assume. he made one point one last year, one point two last year. Um, which is obviously not a lot, but he played well. He is also, though, 30, it'll be 31 by the time the season right. starts. Yeah. So a little bit of an older player, although he doesn't have the mileage on his legs because he got a little bit of a later start coming over from the UK. Uh, Tyler Larson, uh, it'll be 32 coming off injury. It's his centerpiece. Um, David Mayo, John Bostic, Jonathan Williams, uh, Nick Martin, Kalik Hudson, Milo Eifler, Jared Patterson, Jeremy Reeves, uh, Eli Wolf, Cole Holcomb, Rashad Wildgoose. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, to me, the, the name that sticks out there is F.A. And, and Wes, you know, in addition to the names we already talked about. And Wes, just because he's a little bit younger. And again, they're they're going to look to draft an offensive lineman this year, specifically a center. So that's I would gonna, be stunned if they didn't draft three offensive linemen this right. year. Like, they're, they're going to make a move there. And so that's going to affect Wes's signing. So, you know, I talked to 
I've had conversations with Wes. I've had conversations with guys like Boomy, right? And they're in a little bit of a holding pattern, the team, in talking with them. I haven't talked to anyone in the building about right. making some of these moves because they got to check out the free agent market and they got to make sure that, um, you know, th- kind of flesh out their draft evaluation. And so if there's some movement on these signings, I think it shows, it'll show the team's kind of perspective on, you know, the center class or the edge rusher class, right? So those are some kind of interesting um, points to kind of just keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks leading into the combine, leading into free agency. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Next question comes from L33 Reacts. Would you rather tank next year with Howell or try and actually make a run with someone capable to run the offense of whoever is coming in to call plays? Um, I will say that question is probably going to be violently met by a certain uh, group of fans who think Sim Howell is the second coming of Tom Brady. Uh, Brady was drafted in the sixth round. It doesn't matter where a QB was drafted. Uh, Sam Howell's the best, whatever. Okay, so if we, if we, if we take that aside and, and recognize right. that Sam Howell could be very good, I doubt he's going to be Tom Brady because, you know, no one else has ever been. <laughs> uh, but if, if Sam could be good. But it, 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 let's take it out of the context in which we normally talk about this, which is like the realistic uh, constraints that are on Ron Rivera, new ownership coming in, pressure to win, all that kind of stuff. If we if we were the owners and we're looking at the long-term health of the franchise, right? We're someone who is not concerned about Ron Rivera's future. We are concerned about how quickly can the Washington Commanders win a Super Bowl? What would you do next year? Cuz okay. I think that's a fascinating question. That is a that that's the question. That's the question. You know, like uh, like what like what is the best way to get you to a Super Bowl roster? And so what I'm gonna, there, there's an optimistic perspective and there's a negative perspective, okay? So I'm going to start with the optimistic perspective because I think that's something that they can actually do this year. One, you got you draft a center, right? Center, go out, draft a uh, offensive tackle, move Sam uh, to guard, and you have, you know, Norwell and Chris Paul compete for that left guard spot. Leno, I know everyone wants to hate on him, but if you look at the tape, it, he was fine. You know, like it's, it's passable. Yeah. That group gets a lot better. You have one of the best skill position groups in the NFL. You can kind of run the football, insulate him with a new run game coordinator, new offensive perspective. Don't lose the game. You get a little bit better on defense drafting, you know, Joey Porter Jr. um, Witherspoon in the first round, and you're set. And the team is now, I don't want to say a playoff caliber roster, but like Look at look at the Chiefs. Look at um, Philly. Like, what's the difference between those rosters and our roster? One is they had two good corners. Philly does, and they had an excellent offensive line. 
So can you get that group ready to go? And then all of a sudden, yes, you're in a position where, you know, you trade Duran next year, you do something next year, you end up with more draft capital. You can kind of move around in the first round in terms of allocating trade value with some of these extra picks you're going to get, whatever, right? That's the very optimistic standard. And the reason it's optimistic is because O-linemen, they take a little bit of time or they can take some time to develop. Usually rookie cornerbacks aren't, you know, lighting the world on fire right out the gate. All of those things are important to kind of keep in mind, right? Like, is that scenario possible? Yes. Is it likely? Probably not. So the next question comes is that, is Sam Howell your guy moving forward for the future? And let's just take this year's draft as an example. Like if I could take Sam Howell or Bryce Young, like I'm going to take Bryce Young. And the only way you get to have Bryce Young is if you are a bad football team. So I want to put myself in a position to get the best quarterback available. I want to, I want to put myself in position to get Bryce Young. Now, it's important to acknowledge that Bryce Young might not be the first quarterback selected because everyone's got a little different flavor. A lot of teams like Will Levis, whatever. That's a yeah, conversation Stroud, for another, whoever, yeah. whoever their guy is. But I want to be in a position where I can make that move and kind of find the guy, find my Trevor Lawrence to build around moving forward. Now, Trevor Lawrence is a very unique prospect, but that takes some time, right? One of the ways to do that is to get rid of good players for draft capital so that you can move up and make that selection. You don't necessarily have to be bad, but you have to give yourself some flexibility to get that done. And I look at Philadelphia again. They've just been so good in terms of team building the last couple of years. They had that extra pick last year. They traded it for A.J. Brown. Like That's what that draft capital allows you to do. It allows you to make those moves and, and do those kinds of things. And you get a quarterback on a five-year deal who's going to be good. You can build the team out. Then that fourth, fifth year of his contract, you're making your Super Bowl push and you're ready to go. That is... That is the kind of stereotypical way of getting it done. Everyone says to go out and spend a lot of money in free agency. Traditionally, you look at it, those teams don't do well long-term. Build through the draft, find some key free agents here, and then just let it ride on that rookie quarterback deal. So do you need to be bad? Do you need to tank the season? No, but you definitely, if you're not going to do that, you definitely need to find a way to get some draft capital, some resource capital, so that you can move up. And, And that could, you know, everyone was talking about um, trading Montez Sweat a couple years ago to move from two to one for Joe Burrow, right? That's the kind of environment you're talking about, right? So um, that that to me, that's how you would build. That's how I would build the team. Now that's hard. You got to trust your evaluation. You got to trust your front office. You got to hit on a lot of picks. That's why it's tough to be good at football in the NFL. But that I think is the roadmap, the the, the optimistic roadmap, and then the one that's probably a little bit more realistic. Right. So if, if I'm like overlord owner and I'm yeah. not concerned about Ron Rivera's future or anyone else's future. Um, and, but I, you know, I'm the guy who buys the team and is implemented in March. Yeah. Uh, I let them ride out this year with how, and the hopes that Sam is awesome. And if that's Correct. the case, then like, sweet, we go into year three of him, uh, and year four on his rookie deal. And, and maybe we can even get a bit of a bargain, um, because he's a, a late round pick. Uh, you know, an extension, whatever, after one good year, you can pay him, hey, man, we'll pay you 30 or 28 or 25, and we think he's going to be really good. As opposed to if he hit free agency in a couple of years, he gets 40. But the other thing here is like timing out the decision makers of what you just talked about, right? Like if it goes sideways, then I fire everybody next year and I now get to start over. Like one, we have a good draft pick because it went sideways. Yeah. Two... I have a new head coach three. I have a new GM, like all those people get to be in place and we get to start from scratch, um, and build kind of our five-year plan. And I do want to emphasize this. 
I feel like we way too often, we media um, and, and folks around the league throw out these like, oh, how are you going to be good for the next decade? You, you can't plan for 10 years in the NFL. Yeah. That's just not the way contracts work. That's not the way player development works. It's not the way any of this works. Like no, The only way to be good for 10 years is drafting Patrick Mahomes and keeping him for 10 years. Like there, there's just, or, and even around, around just, Patrick Mahomes. Or just say, making or, more, or just making excellent picks every single year, sure, which is why sure. that is not a sustainable, it, it becomes less sustainable is what I'm right, saying. Right. So but even then, ways, like you, yeah. you need to have the, like what team has been good for 10 years without a quarterback every year? Like Baltimore's probably the closest, but right. even then, like they've had Lamar for most of it. Um, and Seattle even before that, that they had like, they had Flacco, but they've had some down years in between. I mean, Pittsburgh is, you know, they've, they had Roethlisberger for most of it and Tomlin's never finished under 500. Um, so I guess there are a couple, but like, they've also never been a Super Bowl contender in the last decade. Like the only way to be that is to have Brady or Mahomes or Manning or one of these like all time hall of fame quarterbacks and lock them up on long-term deals, which are expensive and it gets hard to compete. Uh, as those deals kick in. Um, so that that's kind of my thing is like, you need to think about this in terms of a five-year plan instead of a, a 10-year plan, right? We're not planning for 10 years down the road, but can we build up our ability to have draft capital over the next couple of years? So like, if you want to, if you wanted to tank, uh, so to speak, which I think is also less of a big deal in the NFL than it is in say the NBA, mm-hmm. because in the NBA, you need one of the seven best players in the sport or you don't have a chance. Like there's just no other way to compete. Like the wizards, you know, I had this big interview with Tommy Shepard and we got you know into it about uh, whether in the wizards general manager, Tommy Shepard. And it was like, well, how are you going to get out of the middle of the Eastern conference? And he's like, well, you know, we like our, our trio of guys. Their trio of guys doesn't include one of the 15 or 20 best players in the league. Nevertheless, one of the best seven. And the course of NBA history says you need one of those guys. You need to either need to be all in around a Giannis, a LeBron, a Steph Curry, or you need to be trying to tank basically to get one of those guys. The NFL is not like that. The NFL draft is more of a crapshoot. There's deeper talent. It's more of a team game because there's 11 guys on the field and not one of them can have, or, you know, a quarterback can have outsized impact, but he's only on the field for half the time anyway because you have your defense as opposed to a five-man game in basketball. So it's a just a different team-building strategy overall. And so I think it's worth taking a shot with this group and Howell in part because this group is good. Like, they have a good roster. For as often as we look at Rivera and go like, hey, they've done a kind of a whatever job and, you know, the front office is dissatisfying because they missed in a couple of key spots and made a cut. Like, their biggest decisions have been poor. Quarterback, you know, William Jackson was their big free agent signing. Like, they messed up the big ones, but they've quietly built good depth, and some of that is just keeping around what Kyle Smith and the previous front office did with your Montez, with Terry, with all those guys. They're they're too good to be bad. I guess is ultimately like where I land is, unless they have catastrophic injury luck, they're gonna win six seven games next year, mm-hmm. almost no matter who's at quarterback. And people like to say like, oh Heineke, you know that's why you should go with Taylor. He was five three and one, all this kind of stuff. It's like yeah, that's the point. With Taylor Heineke, this roster is good enough to be over five hundred for an extended stretch of the season. They're good in a lot of areas, and so. In like unless you're going to like you said gut it like let's let's see what happens when you tag and trade Duran you also trade Sweat or Young you you know move on from whoever else 
on the offensive side, you one of these skill players, you make a, a blockbuster deal that nobody sees coming. Like, unless you're going to tear it down and get that kind of draft capital, like, you might as well just see what you got. And if it goes badly, then you'll have the draft capital already. And, and you can kind of, I guess, hedge a little bit in between with a move around pain but, and, and a trade for him. But I don't think you have to go so far in one direction to go all in at quarterback and like spend a lot of money there or tearing it all the way down. Um, I think you can ride the middle more on the way to building a team in the NFL. Yeah. So what I, what I will say is like, you know, I mentioned there was two strategies in my opinion, like there's the, the kind of optimistic one, you hit on two picks, three picks this year, the roster fleshes out, you, you make a push right around Sam Howell. I think you still do that. I think that's still the motivation. I think you still build the team around here because it's not like you're, it's not like you don't have this albatross of a quarterback contract, like weighing you down, you know, like that's not a thing for this team. So make those decisions, draft good football players, Try to make a push with Sam Howell. That's excellent, right? If it doesn't go well, then I think you, you unfortunately, it's not tearing the whole thing down, but you need to find a way to get yourself in contention for a top pick in the draft, a top quarterback candidate, right? Right. And I think another thing about this year's draft that needs to be said is like, you know, I was listening to Mel Kuyper's podcast recently, and one of the things he mentioned is he had a hard time filling out his top 80 prospects which is a bad sign for like the health and wellness of the draft. So it's going to be a tough year for this staff to make that happen, right? Like it's just, it's part of the deal, right? So it's going to be challenging this year. Maybe you hedge a little bit more for next year, whatever it is. But I, I think you can still, you still run that optimistic strategy. If it doesn't go well, I think you really need to think about getting that young quarterback on a good contract, what that's going to take. And and like, I haven't been advocating that while Ron's been here because I don't think that's the right solution. But I do think that's the right solution if you are a new owner coming in with a new head coach to make a move, kind of stamp your identity on this thing, totally change the narrative here in Washington. And that doesn't need to be a total fire sale, but to move up the way that they're going to need to move up, because I don't think this team is a bad team. I think the roster is right. pretty good, right? But to move up the way they need to move up, they're going to need to move some big pieces around to get that done. And I think that's just part of the deal, you know? And hopefully Sam Howell works out. Hopefully he shows enough, and that can be your piece. That can be your Jalen Hurts. But I, I, right. I just look at – I keep going back to Philadelphia because their last four years have been exquisite. They always hedged for the next year. They always made sure they had two first-round picks the following year. This year they have two first-round picks just in case they needed to trade up and get something done. Like I think that's the kind of perspective you need to be taking here just to say, we Sam, we think Sam could be the guy, but if he's not, what does next year look like? And can we make a move to get that done? And so that's what I would say about, about um, the kind of the, this team building philosophy is just put yourself in a position next year, whatever that looks like, trading players, acquiring draft capital, whatever, just in case Sam doesn't go. And then you can make some decisions because you have all, the, all these resources at your disposal. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the last thing I'll say too that kind of brings us all together, what I was saying and what you were saying too though is like hitting on the pick is the most important piece. Oh, and yeah. it doesn't have to be, well, it's easier to hit on the pick when you know like, hey, we're 1-1 overall and we're taking Trevor Lawrence. Like yeah. that's that's a pretty easy one to hit on. Um, Joe Burrow was an easy one for the Bengals to hit on. Mahomes went 11. Jalen goes in the second round. Like it can be done in the NFL. We're like the stars in, in the NBA 
outsized go in the top three picks. Um, it's certainly a bit of a crapshoot, and there, there are certain drafts where things get wild. And like, yeah, Giannis and Jokic go later. Uh, there's probably other things about like how they scout international players in the NBA that probably Please. should be examined along those fronts and the difficulty of it. But considering every NFL player comes from college football, like uh, there's there's definitely like weird nuances that come with that as well and comparing you know a big east player to an sec player and and trying to get the the competition levels uh and how that'll ultimately translate and the traits and how all those things will translate but you can with frequency get a star especially not at quarterback later in the first round in the second round whatever you can get an all pro guard in the second third round um these things happen um not to mention Sometimes you can get an all-pro quarterback in the second round. Like you can get Jalen Hurts in the second round because weird stuff happens in the way quarterbacks develop. You know, is is unpredictable, and it also depends on the system and the ecosystem in which they enter. Jalen Hurts going to Philly with the coaches he's had mattered. Uh, I suppose other quarterbacks have gone to bad places uh, that it hasn't worked out. Uh, so that that all plays into it, um, and is why you can split the middle a little bit and pick a place like the Commanders are at sixteen and still potentially get a stud. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, continuing on with the other questions. Uh, this one from uh, Funbags uh, says, could we play Jamin Davis at the nickel spot, or the Buffalo nickel spot? He has played safety in his career. He isn't terrible at coverage, and he's really good at blitzing off the edge. I honestly feel like that would have been a perfect spot for him. Um, so we did the, the Jamin Micah Parsons role the other day. What about Jamin at Buffalo nickel? So I actually talked to... Um someone on in the building about that just was like you know hey like you, this was before last year's draft it was a really long time ago and that was like you know could could Jamin do it and you're looking for resources and everything and what it came out basically was like they didn't feel at the time that he had good enough hips to play the position what that means is like when you're playing that buffalo nickel you do have to carry number two who's usually a slot receiver vertical right so Damon has obviously has the straight line speed to do that and you know I think he's really good out of a back pedal attacking downhill he showed a nice proclivity for that he does a good job carrying two vertical in certain situations but I don't know if you want him majoring in that necessarily right so um and, and a little bit of just how he's built he's a bigger guy he's 6'3 almost 6'4 he's 245 pounds there's a reason that you know no nickel player looks like that because they have to turn, flip their hips, open those hips, and carry that thing vertically, and then adjust the football in the air. So Leonard, like, he's a more linear athlete. So I don't think that that translates necessarily uh, the way people think it would. Like, I thought maybe, right? 
But I think you're looking for a guy who's got like DB hips and DB feet, like quite frankly. And I think the physicality of the position is something that is um, overrated because of Landon Collins's role there. Like when you look at the the Buffalo nickel, the nickels that have been successful there, it's Cam Curl, it's Bobby McCain, it's guys that are physical. But really, the thing that they're prioritizing is the coverage ability, right? And so I, I don't think that um, Jamin necessarily has that in the bag at the moment, right? And that's not a knock against him. He's one of the most athletic linebackers in the NFL. But there's a reason that, you know, Luke Keekley doesn't play the Buffalo nickel spot, right? He, he just He's not athletic enough to do it, even though he's a tremendous athlete. So I just think that that's... That's part of it. It's just a different type of athleticism, a different skill set. And you're looking for a very specific body type and mover at that spot. And just Jamin isn't that guy. And and I don't think he'll develop into that guy just because of the type of athlete that he is. My question back to all these questioners is, why is everyone trying to move Jamin Davis? <laughs> like, he was he was good last year. Well, I think, he's, he's growing yeah. into a good player. And... You know, where where someone is drafted is relevant. The the earlier they are drafted, the more you expect from them early on, as well as you expect a higher ceiling. Like that is how you become a top whatever pick. Like Aiden Hutchinson went two because he was gonna come in day one and be awesome, and then he was gonna grow into what they hope to be a Hall of Fame caliber player, but certainly a pro bowler, right? And sure enough, Aiden Hutchinson, while he had moments where he looked like a rookie this year for Detroit. Also had moments where he looked like a future Hall of Famer. Like, that dude is real good, which is why he went two overall. Jamin, as a first-round pick, was taken there because he has a high upside, and he was probably overdrafted because he wasn't ready to play immediately, which is something that was known because he barely played football in college. He played essentially one season. That said, the high upside thing is still relevant, and his development is still happening. And I just don't get the incessant need to move him when he's improved. I get it um, because first impressions matter a lot. And the first impression of his rookie season makes, I think, a lot of people think that he's not actually cut out to do this. He is. He's 6'4", he's 245, he's really fast, he play, uses his arms well. Like he does, he does all the things that you want in a linebacker, and he's gotten progressively better at them. So I would, my response would be like, Sure, could you line him up outside in certain formations against certain personnel and when you're in base, feel comfortable kicking him out into some space? Sure, but that's part of his responsibilities as a linebacker. Right. There's yeah. no there's no reason to move him. Quit trying so, to move Jamin Davis. I, I read that as like they see him as a good athlete, and he is a good athlete. He's a very yeah. explosive athlete. And they say, Why 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 can't we apply that athleticism to the Buffalo Nickel role? And I, so I think it's kind of in a way, it's like an endorsement of, of Jamin, right? Oh, like we see this tremendous athlete, Micah Parsons. Why can't we use Jamin that same way? Oh, you know, he runs a 4-4. Bobby McCain runs a 4-5. Why can't he play the Buffalo nickel, right? And I think it, it, it's more of a – it's it's showing it's it's showing a optimism towards his athleticism. And, I, and I, all I would say it's just they're different types of athletes. Micah Parsons is a different type of athlete than Jamin, and Jamin's a different type of athlete than most nickel players in the NFL. And there's a reason that nickel players look a specific way, right? They, they kind of are this, you know, they're 190 pounds to 215 pounds on the heavy side. They're super quick. They're super fast. They're tough little little bastards, like because like that's the type of body type that fits that most effectively, right? Even even good safeties have a hard time playing nickel because of the demands of the coverage that you need to do there, right? So I think 
that's why finding a good nickel is so can be so challenging because it is a very specific mindset and it's a very specific um, athlete athlete. And unfortunately, like, no, not unfortunately, like Jamin is a linebacker and there's a reason he's a linebacker. There's a reason nickels don't play linebacker. Right. So I think that that's just something that fans need to understand. Like when you're watching the game, like watch the nickel, watch what they have to do. There's a lot of space. They have to do a lot in coverage. Um, and the run stuff is secondary. And I know that everyone says, oh, the Buffalo nickel, Buffalo nickel. When you look at the Buffalo nickel roll, we've talked about this before. It literally is just the nickel spot. Right. And they just said Buffalo nickel so that Landon would go play basically in the box. Like it right. was a little it's, bit of a, it's a linebacker. Scheme. Yes. That tends to do a little bit more in coverage. Correct. Based off responsibilities. Right. Like so, that's all it is. Right. So it's, it's taking your middle linebacker or your will linebacker and putting him at Sam. Yeah. So why would you, why would you do that? Um, because you need, you need that other position filled too. Yeah. And maybe, maybe if like you're, you know, cause guys get hurt and you are scrambling one day. Sure. You could kick Jamin out there and be like, Hey Cole, you're playing Mike and you know, rookie you're playing will and Jamin, you're all we got go out there and get them. But like that, but that I, just isn't I th- necessary. I think even on the roster though, there's, um, I'd say there's an, an advantage, honestly, to like, like, look at who they wanted to play nickel. Like Percy Butler is the guy they wanted to play nickel. He's like uber twitchy, uber twitchy, right. uber long. It's he's different than Jamin, right? Like, but that is more of a true nickel, right? There's right. a physicality, there's a twitch there. So, like, even if even if you were in a pinch, like, I'd be like, hey, one of you safeties come down here and like, right. give it a shot. Like, it's just a different type of athlete. And again, not a knock on Jamin. He's a good linebacker. Not a good nickel, and that's how right, most which is fine because he's a are. linebacker, yeah. like that, and that's kind of thing. It's like, okay, so then who plays linebacker because you've decided to kick him over? Yeah. Someone who's worse at playing linebacker. It's right. not like that spot disappears and those responsibilities disappear. Right. Um, all right. Uh, this question comes from me, uh, and it's something that you and I talked about off the air. I talked about it on the radio show yesterday, but I wanted to get your take on this on the air as well. Uh, Derek Carr's release yesterday mm-hmm. by the Raiders, and now becomes a free agent. Uh, should the commanders be interested in Derek Carr? And then and then make sure before you answer this, you duck because people are throwing things at us. Yeah. So I think, I mean, just as like a good process standpoint, I'm going to go talk to Derek Carr. I'm going to talk to his agent. I'm going to see what he's looking to get on the market. And if it's a crazy number, I'm going to say, okay, well, we're not interested. But if he's like, oh yeah, like I would be willing to t- take $33 million this year. Like he is a good quarterback. He's an excellent football player. He struggled a little bit last year, no doubt. But if you look at his 2022 tape, he's a top 10 player, you know, and, it, and it's a different type of top 10 player than Carson Wentz, for example. And I know one of the things I've said on this podcast is that Derek Carr is wildly inconsistent year to year, especially with a new OC. That criticism is still 1000% valid, but he is a good football player, smart, quick release, understands where the football needs to go. And I think he's a guy that could elevate this type of skill position player. Now, like with anything in the NFL, the cost is something that becomes a factor. Because if Derek Carr says, yeah, I'll come here for $15 million, you jump on that like it's, you know, like it's the best deal of all time because it is. But if he says, no, I'm really looking to be, you know, one of those top kind of top 10 paid quarterbacks. I'm looking for about $41 and a, $41.5 million. And you say, that's not for us at this point in our franchise building process. So, of course, of course you're interested. You're interested in good football players. It's just about that cost to play relationship. It's the same thing that they ran into with Kirk Cousins. It's like, would you like to have Kirk Cousins? Yes. Do you think he's worth $28 million when he was making his deal? They didn't think that. 
And he got paid a lot of money to go play in Minnesota. So I just think that that, that is kind of what you're always negotiating. Like, you know, I'm if I'm the GM, I'm calling Tom Brady's agent, even though he said he'd retire, just to see. I'm calling Aaron Rodgers just to see what the market is. I'm calling, I'm calling all of those teams to make sure that my evaluation and understanding of the market is complete. But if the price is wrong, which I'm assuming it's going to be, I'm not going to jump right. on it. It's not the right thing for me right now. Do you have a number in mind before I, I give my two cents here? Four, like what's, the, what's, what's the number for Carr where you're like, eh. And it could be a number that he's not interested in remotely where you're like, hey, 50, if it's more than 15, like this just doesn't fit our budget. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's like the budget. It's For them, I think the budget's probably – I think you'd be comfortable paying like 25 to 15 for him. And if he were to say like 30, I think I would even jump on that. Because right, think about this just for context. The market for a quarterback is $40 million plus a right. year. So if he's taking 30, I'm thinking about it. Now, is it the right decision? I don't have to give up any draft capital. I don't have to do anything crazy because he's cut. So just me and him working out a deal, right? I'm going to think about it. Now I'm going to evaluate all my options. How much do I really like Sam Howell? Do I love that? No, but do I think it's an upgrade of what of what they've had over the last couple of years? Yes, and I know fans are freaking out. No more retreads, no more veteran retreads. But ultimately, like if I'm the GM, I'm interested in good football players, and I think he's a pretty good football player. And yeah. at thirty million dollars, I think that is good value. So I had to Sean Reed, who is the Athletics uh, beat reporter oh. covering the Raiders on last week, and I said, should the Commanders have or be interested in in Derek Carr? Yes, quarterback is Sam Howell. Absolutely. <laughs> what, what, what are we of doing? All the things like, you said, that's going to be the thing that's most controversial on my YouTube page, within my Twitter, everything. People love Sam Howell here. Yes. I mean, I covered Florida State. He was once commits. So like, nothing against Sam Howell. Like, I, yeah. you know, his family, all the good people. Derek Carr is, is exponentially better than Sam Howell. Sam, the chance of Sam Howell becoming as good as Derek Carr is probably pretty small. He's, I mean, if he does, he's probably not ready yet. Like I know he had a couple of games at the end there, but come on now. And while people are like, oh my God, Sam's amazing. Like yeah. all that stuff. He's right. Yes. Like if Sam Howell develops into Derek Carr, You're the commanders up. have done an incredible job. And every bad thing you ever said about anybody who was involved in his drafting is is vindicated validated what like they are your criticism does not matter they they won the argument because if you get a guy who is going to multiple years be in the mvp conversation in the fifth round you have done a miracle or you you have pulled off a miracle these things happen sometimes in the nfl not very often. Like right. it's Dak, it's Kirk. It's like what? Once every five years, a really high end starter is is like MVP level is someone drafted third round or later. Uh, Most Russ, of the quarterbacks in the NFL are Russell like, Wilson. and again, it happens because there's only 32 starting quarterbacks and there's only like 22 of them that are actually good. Um, and so they come from a variety of places, but of that, let's say 22, 25, whatever the number is, half of them are first round guys. Correct. Like they most often not only come first round, but like top 10. Right. You know, if you can tell me Tom Brady, you can tell me Russell Wilson, you can tell me all these guys. And I'll be like, Burrow, Lawrence, like one, one overall. Josh Allen. Josh Allen was, I think, eighth. But like um, Lamar Jackson, like all, they're all first round players. Right. Even Lamar who's like, oh my God, they pass on Lamar. Aaron Rodgers. Oh my God, they pass on Aaron Rodgers. Right. They were 25 and 23, I think, respectively, yeah. Lamar, Aaron. So like the first round is where you find your guy. 
And so Carr is still very good. And if Sam Howell could play at a level that Derek Carr could this upcoming season, that would be incredible. That said, what's the downside? And if you put it that way, it's like, well, shoot, forget everything we just said about everybody else in this podcast. Go get the guy. But the problem is we can't dismiss that. And the question that they've got to answer and why ultimately I would still lean towards Howell and a Dalton, a Brissett, a whoever is the backup, is you can kiss Reeves goodbye. You can kiss, and it's pain, the same, you probably know, pain. probably you pain goodbye. Like curl, you kiss, curl, things. the ability to extend Cam so he's pissed off the whole year then probably leaves next year. Like all that stuff is off the table because you've done what you did last year. And that was the problem last year was they gave up so much for Wentz is they lost their depth on the defensive line. They lost a couple of other guys and the like who knows what the counterfactual is in terms of who they could have signed who they never even looked at because right. they decided to spend 28 million dollars on Carson Wentz instead of just running it back with Taylor Heineke. And the crazy thing about that Carson Wentz thing, I know if people hear 28 million dollars and they lose their mind, is that's like a deal. That's a deal for right. a guy that you think is a starting caliber quarterback, right? So it's not as prohibitive as this Derek Carr thing is going to be. Like he is looking to make a lot of money and someone's going to pay him a lot of money. Like a lot of money. And so that's why I said if it's the if it's 30 to 35 million dollars, you probably take a look at it. You have the conversation. I don't think that's even on the table. I think he's going, I want 40 to 45 million dollars, and this is what the deal is. And it's going to be a four or five year deal. You're going to be half for, like hampered for a while. So think about that. Even if he goes from 40 to 45, that's five million dollars a year you lose to re-sign players. Think about Cam Curl's potential salary as being five million dollars a year. You lose that just from there. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and then that's not even talking about the bigger numbers with Payne extending Montez. So that's where it becomes prohibitive. And I, and again, we've talked about Philadelphia a lot on this on this podcast. But one of the things that I really admire about them is they said, hold, "Let's hold up. We've got a guy we think can do it." Right. And Jalen Hurts, they built around him. The roster was completely ready, like totally ready, no doubt about it. And then they said, we'll give him a year. If it works, great. If it doesn't, we're, we, this is the they year. Have they, have, they have two first-round picks. They can trade up and get whoever they want. So I think that that is something that um, I've always been an advocate of drafting a rookie quarterback, even a later-round quarterback, even like the Brock Purdy's of the world, right? I think there's value there because it lets you – build and cultivate this roster of tremendous playmakers like san francisco is a fantastic example everyone's like oh they gave up all this draft capital for um lance for lance and they brought in purdy and they have garoppolo lance is like not even a factor in terms of their salary cap he takes up like less than a percentage point right so they can go out and sign kittle sign trent williams you know um the middle linebacker warner they can extend those guys and Jimmy Garoppolo is at a very reasonable number as well. So that is, to me, what you're getting. That That's a perfect example. I think um, Lance is at like probably five, $5.5 million a year because of how the contract is structured, maybe seven in terms of cap, cap hit. But Jimmy Garoppolo is at 28. So the two of those guys together are less than what Derek Carr would be here in Washington, right? Just to give you some right. perspective on what that number is. And because they were sound in their process with good deals with quarterbacks – they're able to build this roster out. So I think that's ultimately what I settle on is like, is this roster ready to win a Super Bowl? The roster. And the answer I would say is probably not. And so the the, the number one thing that's prohibitive to that is going out and paying a quarterback a lot of money. If you look at the quarterbacks who win Super Bowls, they are consistently, I think it's less than, it's less than 5% of the total salary cap. It's rookies 
you know, like just go back through every Super Bowl. It's even Patrick Mahomes under his new deal is less than 5% of the total salary cap. Like that is what you're looking for. And Derek Carr is immediately prohibitive to that. Derek right. Carr, Aaron Rodgers, whoever it is. And and it just f- prevents you from adding the offensive lineman you need. Yeah, I was about that, to say that. The, the, add, the yeah. fact that it, we mentioned all those different things that it would prevent, uh, bolstering the O-line is the most important. Right. And you kiss that goodbye. Unless you, you hit on every draft pick. Which is and tough. those guys are ready to play immediately, which we talked about in the last pod. O-line sometimes takes a, takes a hot second. Yeah. And so I think that to me, when I look at what Derek Carr does, if he's looking for the number that I think he's looking for, which all reports seem to be like, yes, it, that's just not going to work for this team. And yeah. I think Ron and Marty and everybody's aware of that. Yeah. If it's 15, great. If it's over that, I, I, I mean, just think it's, it's give up if, too much. Even if it's 30, it's fine. But it's not going to be thirty, which is the. See, I don't, thing. I don't, I don't even think I'd want to spend thirty. Like to me, it's you're then, you're 15. then restricting. Yeah, uh, which again, like I'm giving up hope. I, I just think it's, I think it's good perspective to get out of the Sam Howell hype bubble and be like, yeah. hey, who's better, Howell or Carr? <laughs> Carr, Derek Carr is better. at this point. Would be very surprising if he's not better. Uh, I'm not ruling it out because I don't want people to wait ahead next, next, next fall. If Howell turns out to be amazing and Carr actually has hit a wall and stinks. Uh, but the, the odds are Derek Carr is better than Sam Howell. The question that you have to ask though, when you build a team is who is the better value and Sam Howell, I think is a significantly better value than Derek Carr who you might get $25 million worth of play out of, but if that $25 million costs you 30 or $40 million, I'd rather get $2 million of quarterback play out of $800,000 of Sam Howell. That's an excellent way to word it. I love how you said that. You know, it's, it's $25 million. only they listened to me when I said that about Carson Wentz last year. Yeah, it's $25 million bucks of quarterback pay, but you're paying $30 million or $40 million for it. Like, that's exactly what you're looking for, right? It's His cost has superseded the value he brings to the roster, and it becomes yeah. prohibitive at some point. All right, this was fun. Uh, keep your, your mailbag questions coming always. You never know when we're going to do one, except for when we tell you we are. And then, <laughs> and then and we then, don't do and it. And then we're like, okay, hey, <laughs> bring on the questions. And uh, sometimes we have overflow, and that's that's what today's pod was. Uh, coming up next week, we will get you ready for the NFL Combine. Logan and I will both be going to Indianapolis uh, in two weeks, which is very exciting. Uh, so we might even do a pod while we are there. Uh, and then other than that, uh, we, we await the OC news, which frankly might happen uh, before you listen yeah. to this podcast, depending on when you listen. Be enemy is interviewing on Wednesday uh, so that is exciting or maybe he's interviewing on Thursday uh, he, he the interview is set I gotta double check on what it is but uh, Biennemi is interviewing Roman interviewed on Tuesday uh, Ron Rivera told uh, a couple of people last week when he did the rounds of interviews he was hoping to have it done by the end of this week but but early next week was also a distinct possibility as he goes through all of his notes from the at this point it'll be eight or nine guys that he's interviewed so we will uh, whoever it is we will do a more in-depth breakdown on the tape and, and what their offense might look like uh, and we'll go from there on that. Uh, get you ready for the combine. That's all coming on Take Command. For Logan, I'm Craig. We'll see you next time. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening or watching right now, and we will see you next week. <laughs>